Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey, so this is Angie, um, and today I have a special guest, uh, Lauren Uhalik. She's a friend of Marty's and mine, Marty and me. She's a friend anyways, um, and she's going to, you're going to tell us about the Masonic Temple, right? Yes, it is a really cool building. It is actually the biggest Masonic temple in the world. Okay. Fun fact, it is enormous. It's about 14 stories. And it's so funny because people talk about, I mean, they've said in interviews, people say it's such a secret organization, but for a secret organization to have like a 14 story building in downtown Detroit, I mean, they can't be that secretive, right? Like, I guess I've never even seen it. I like 14 stories. I don't even... Like I've now I'm I'm completely lost because I don't even. So it is at Cass and Temple. So if you're going down Cass, going south, um, going toward like where Little Caesars Arena is now. Okay. You'll find it at the corner of Cass and Temple, which is so named for the Masonic Temple. It had a different name before they built the building. It is a giant building that was started in the 1920s. And obviously back then, I mean, I read a bunch about the Masons I have before, and I'm super familiar with the building because I've played roller derby since about 2011, and we actually play in the building. And it is on the seventh floor, and it is a enormous like gymnasium. And it was originally built for the Masons to use their commandery. So the guys who like spin their guns, they would like practice their marches in there. And it's one of two floating wood floors in the world, which means that instead of the wood, the hardwood floor being like attached to a subfloor, it means that the whole floor is on velvet cushions. So there's a little bit of give. So when they were walking, they wouldn't get fatigued on the floor. And it's crazy because we would be in there for practices. We And we had like, a lot of access to the building as a result of sort of what we've been doing in there. Mm -hmm. And there are like some rooms, I mean, leaving the drill hall when you start to go into these like back hallways, it's a huge building and it's, it fell into somewhat of disrepair as sort of the whole city of Detroit did, but Detroit roller derby was playing there off and on since it started in 2005. There were two years where we were at Kobo when it was still Kobo when it was the arena. And then we moved back into the Masonic Temple. And it's just such a cool building because there are just all of these like secret nooks and crannies. Um, it was built by this architect named George Mason, which is funny because he was um, he was a Mason and his name was Mason. But he died while it was being built. So of course there's like ghost stories of him like haunting the building. Hmm. Um, And there were some things that were sort of left unfinished. Like there is a unfinished swimming pool on like the sixth floor, which 
if you like go back through some of the hallways behind where we played roller derby, you could like sort of see it through a window through one of the rooms that we would use as like a dressing room. And there's just like this like duck sitting in like a duck shaped wooden thing in the middle of it. Just really weird stuff <laughs> like that all through the building. Or there's a room that used to be like the locker room for the people using the drill hall. And we were taking photos in there for our team one year and we like opened a locker and it was just like full of obituaries from the 1970s and I was like this is bizarre Whoa. <laughs> like and there's like trap doors everywhere because there is still this giant theater there um and that theater I mean I've seen musicians there they've also had comedians there um I saw Alana Elena Glazier there a couple years ago in one of the smaller theaters but it still has this giant main theater and that room is right under where the drill hall is. So there are these like weird giant, like trap doors in the floor. What? So if there's one of them open, we're like roller skating down this hallway, like watch out for the trap door. You're going to have to jump. And it's like, this is oh my gosh. a really bizarre, like haunted house of a building, but it's super cool. Cause there's so much intricate artistry, especially from that time, because it's a very, like, I think it's neoclassical. I'll have to neo-gothic architecture style. Oh, wow. I took some notes on it. So it has, it's all of this gorgeous stone and windows and it is so massive and it's not just in a straight line. It actually has a hotel built into it for traveling Masons to stay in. That's never really officially been open to the public, which is really cool because Masons, it's it's an international sort of organization. So mm -hmm. they, if there were people traveling into town, they originally built it. So there would be like a hotel section. Wow. And none of them are being currently used, but it was built sort of with these really grand intentions. Yeah, that haven't really been fulfilled. And they also hold weddings in the giant ballrooms. Um, I've gone to different weird events. Like one time I went to like a Harry Potter con in some of the ballrooms downstairs. And they have, I mean, there's always like weddings and really cool big events there. So what but was, yeah, what was it originally built for in the, in the twenties? It, it was originally built to be a, a Masonic temple. Okay. So it's been the largest Masonic temple in the world since 1939 when the Chicago temple was demolished. And it was built for the purpose of being a Masonic temple. So and it is they, and then yeah. When they built it, did they was it 14 stories high when they built it or was that stuff yeah. higher? Oh my god. Yeah, it was built, it was all built. It's actually 16 stories connected to a 10 story. So it's it's a really like sprawling building it's almost a whole block wow and it's huge and super cool because there's just all of these different types of rooms where for roller derby we would have like board of directors meetings in these like lodge rooms and those are I mean they're carpeted but they've got just weird pictures on the walls they're I mean they're not weird they're old groups of masons just mm -hmm. hanging on the walls and giants like velvet curtains and things and then some rooms have like a weird like throne looking chair somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's cool, but it's just, and you, it is open to the public for tours. Um, if you can arrange one, um, there are some really great docents there, which we would come in, we'd have like our board meetings and we'd have practices in there. And sometimes we would just be talking to those guys and they would sort of help show us around the building. Cause we would have questions about like, what yeah. is this for? Um, there is a chapel in the building that has this big, cool hanging cross where they had where they'll host wedding ceremonies. And then they go down to these ballrooms for the um, for the reception and then Theater Bazaar, which is the annual 
super cool Detroit Halloween thing has been taking place there since I want to say like 2012. Wow. I think it moved there since I was playing roller derby, at least since then. But it's it's a huge undertaking in this giant building. And one of the just, I mean, the square footage alone is absurd, but just to give a matter of scale, like the Masonic theater, like the main big theater can seat like 4,600 people. Whoa. And that's one of like five theaters in the building. That's crazy. So why, why did, why are there so many theaters in there? Just different events when they were first building it, they were hoping that it would become sort of a place for like Broadway and different things to come in the city And and as for like concerts and different things like that. And it still has been, it it still serves those purposes sometimes. Like I was looking up who's coming there anytime soon. And Olivia Rodrigo, I think is coming there soon. And she's a fairly new popular artist. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have expected her to be there, but that's a really cool venue for it. And it is, it's been going sort of back and forth in management, which has been its own special sort of struggle Um, because for a while when I was playing there was a management company that had sort of taken over and they weren't paying some of the bills so then there was like a shutoff notice from DTE and then Jack White swooped in and paid all the bills so they named one of the theaters after him oh so this and this was within the past 10 years this happened I want to say like seven maybe years ago was this whole thing, but it's still mostly run by the Masons, but a lot of the fiscal stuff gets handed over to like an outside group for the sake of management. As far as I understand it, I could be wrong on this, but this is what I understood because we spent a lot of time working with these management teams for negotiating our own costs and as well as working through, I mean, if there's multiple events in the building in a night, we would have roller derby, but then there'd also be a concert and a wedding trying to figure out logistically who's going to get in where and sort of how to deal with the security of it because it's a giant building. And when they have like sold out concerts in the 4,000 seat theater, plus a roller derby game where we would sell out at a thousand. And then you also have a wedding somewhere with a couple hundred people. It's like, this is true chaos. I have a really cool picture. Um, It is a ancient looking, um, I found this in a couple places, but it's a old postcard of the Masonic Temple when it was first built. And it still looks largely the same from the front, but it is. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And it is. It still really does look the same. And there's still a cast park right in front of it. Um, We got to see people sort of making their headquarters for their films there. For example, when Ryan Gosling was filming something, he was, he would like wander through our practices and we were like, I don't know what to do right now. (laughs) Like, like we just slow down and just be kind of looking that way. And we're like, okay, okay, this is fine. We're fine. This is fine. (laughs) And (laughs) then Christina Hendricks is like walking her tiny dog next to us in the elevator. And we're like, this is fine. We're fine. (laughs) Like this is an ideal situation for all of us. We're doing great. (laughs) So weird, but it was a really cool, I mean, just having those types of productions come in and seeing that they're bringing the money into the organization was really cool, as well as seeing the opportunities that it gave to this, like the entire film industry in the area that I'm, I would get so excited to see, oh, look, they're, they're filming this and they have offices in some of these rooms that they weren't really using. So 
you'd get up to a certain floor and you'd see like the signs on the board that are like, oh, Eloise or whatever film is in here. So that was always super cool too. Yeah. So I was told that there's a, there's like, you said something about trap doors and um, somebody said something about a lot of secret passageways. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's well, because the buildings have a bunch of uses for it, but also they were building it for the sake of a lot of these arts. So having all of these theaters, sometimes people would need to get from one place to another without having to be seen, without having to be in front of house. So there are like secret paths. Some of the ways, I mean, when when I'm navigating the building, I still think sometimes it's like, this is so weird. Like there's this room that for roller derby, there is this very steep incline that you go down. Um, and that takes us to like our backstage area. And there's this room that's called the music room, which has like a weird wooden balcony. And it's another hardwood floor room that's maybe like, I want to say it's like 30 by 50. And we just set up tables and that's like where we have our food and where some of the teams get ready. But you go through that room and then there's a couple of corners and there's like a pool somewhere hidden. And then there's another set of elevators that you can't use. And then there's another, you go down the other hallway. (laughs) There's another bunch of rooms and you have to like go through one room to get to another room kind of layout where I'm like, this to me is not logical, but I'm sure (laughs) there was a reason. And there are tons of historic pictures through the building, which is also super cool. The building's been there for such a long time. The groundbreaking was in 1920. So if you think about how many people probably just have come through it in that time, you have the different like commanderies, which is the spinning gun people, but you also have like the Mason. So you can like, they have pictures of different groups there. And then you have the different, like different sort of activities within it, which is really cool. And being able to see all of that stuff sort of laid out on the walls is always really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. So what is this, um, what is this haunting stuff? So people say George Mason, because he died before it was completed, or he died while it was renovations were being done, he might haunt it. Did he die there? Um, no, he didn't die there. He died after the building was completed, but it was like they were still done to it. Okay. And they say that it could attribute to his haunting in certain parts of the building. I mean, there are all kinds of weird, like lights flashing and those kinds of things. And part of it is because it's light bulbs made by Thomas Edison, right. realistically. <laughs> like the wiring is just like a piece, like a cotton swab wrapped around. So realistically... I would love for it to be haunted, but I know that it's probably just that like the wiring should be updated. Right. (laughs) Um, There are the upper floors don't have like potable water. Oh, so like we have to bring in our own like water for stuff because like there's water fountains, but like been turned off because we're pretty sure it's lead pipes. I have no guarantee on that. Nothing real. Yeah. Has to be a reason for that too. Right. The intricacy of the artistry in it is one of the most interesting things to me because even if you don't go in, like I sent you in this picture, which I totally love it, especially older pictures, but you can see that there is really ornate stone carving going on mm-hmm. on the outside of the building. And it's not just a, a typical boilerplate building because there were buildings that were built in the 20s that weren't ornate and crazy cool like this but this building has such a distinct beautiful style to it and it has 
inside there are like painted ceilings. There's a lot of wood carving and the, the exterior has this stonework that was done by this Italian sculptor. And there are these different like slogans and things on the walls where it's talking about like truth, like the world. And even within the building, there are other places where we have these really cool ballrooms with painted ceilings, but there are also rooms where it's less of the, um, they're more intimate rooms. Okay. Where you can see a lot more of the detail up close. And there are, I mean, there's the big rooms and then there's the small rooms and there is the cathedral lodge, which is this room that is, has this giant cross in it. And that's usually where the um, wedding ceremonies are. And that room was built for like prayer services is what we were told. And like religious events in the building. It has like a big hanging cross inside of it, but it works well for the use that they're using it now. But it also is one of those rooms where you're like, why would you put this here? <laughs> like, <laughs> why did you need to do this? And it's on the sixth floor because the room that we played roller derby on is it's called 3M, which is the third mezzanine, which is really the seventh floor. And then this cathedral is on three, which is actually the sixth floor. Very complicated numbering system. It's very confusing. <laughs> but we would be able to like see people coming and going from these weddings. And I mean, it's the building was built so long ago that I mean, so many of the stairways are so narrow and you have these cool old old like really heavy wooden doors in a lot of places and there are just like staircases where you don't think you need a you're like there's no way that leads to something and then you go all the way up and you're like okay so there's a single door here this feels like this is going to take me to be murdered there's no way that anything good can come of this this can't be like this is like someone is yelling at me in this movie theater sort of thing right like there's no way this can turn around go get out of yeah. there yeah yeah, they're like, don't you know? <laughs> Someone's there. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that seems right. So how did how did roller derby get started? I mean, like, seems really random to just be like, let's just do roller derby in the Masonic Temple. Yeah, there was when the league first started, there was a little while where it was being played at the Scarab Club in Detroit, and they were just looking for a larger venue. And this room in the Masonic Temple, someone knew someone, as as all great business relationships <laughs> are formed. Someone knew someone and had this lead for this room to sort of connect on it and they started to really work together and I mean this relationship had been very very long-standing so it's regularly was selling out this thousand seat capacity in there and if it wasn't filled for the sake of roller derby because we have to have a giant like track in the middle yeah it could hold for sure a lot more people than that if you didn't have a track on the floor like taking up the majority of the space in the room and when it's sold out it's standing room only and they have like bar in the space and the there but there's also like some other weird doorways in different places where people are sort of able to not really explore anywhere that's not a public space but you can sort of see some of these cool details where they exist within the past few years there's been really cool restoration happening too because one of the management companies from a while ago had installed drop ceilings in certain places so they just kind of put in the typical like office drop ceilings yeah and a few years ago they finally got rid of it for the room that roller derby is in because that room actually has these gorgeous exposed rafters and originally had these skylights in it. Um, and it is a beautiful building and it makes it look so much more, you can really feel more like you're in a historic space and building. And then you look up and you're like, oh, wow, I've seen that ceiling in my basement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's not... <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's 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 not as impactful I feel and it, it's not as true really to what the building was built to be yeah but now that they've done repairs it's a really cool space and there are these like wooden pews almost all around the edge of the room and then there's like a little raised seating area but it's just cool because you get this designed for yeah. I think that's another really cool thing to think about for it is what makes it like what was the purpose of this because everything is designed with a purpose and even though it's been forgotten to us since then it's not a oh far away I mean it's only been there for about a hundred years right right so thinking about how that has sort of changed in the time and I know it's it's played home to so many things I know there there have been like regular for a while the DSO the Detroit Symphony Orchestra was broadcasting weekly there and at that time people were being invited to you know come and listen to this amazing thing that we have here and there the purpose was to house 47 Masonic orders so each of those is like a lodge a group yeah like that was the thing to do at the time so they needed somewhere because this is when Detroit was really hopping and it was really starting to grow they were like this is like the social club is like the dudes just go and they bro down at the Masonic temple and so they wanted to have a big place to go to have these meetings and it sort of turned into this incredible location and that it's still as big as it is today yeah that it's still being it, I, I always get so bummed out when these old buildings get raised and then years later like the Hudson building that's I felt really strongly that like I know at the time it was what they needed to do but now it's like no you're building another thing there that could have just been like a repurpose of the building that was right. there yeah and Detroit has such amazing architect like the buildings are incredible the older buildings are just so cool to look at and what I find interesting about the Masonic Temple though is that knowing next to nothing about the Masons because they're such a private organization. Right. The contradictory between being such a private organization and then at the same time opening the doors to roller derby, to concerts, to, you yeah. know, filming just all of these different things and it's like it's such a weird balance I don't know it's just very no, it, strange it, it is a really strange like uh balance between those two things because there is I mean they clearly spent a lot of time and and effort into the design of it and into how the building was going to be used and how the building was going to be decorated and they built it for the purpose of you know housing these organizations but also they did build it with these giant theaters as part of it like they built it for private and public purposes maybe that was just trying to be like fiscally responsible like maybe we need to justify <laughs> this building somehow right or I mean just to flex like look how good we are at building <laughs> stuff y'all want to see what we built like right. it could be really either way and it's a and the fact that so much of it has been well maintained I mean there are of course in any building especially of this size there's things that will fall into disrepair and that are too costly to update on a grand scale. Like yeah. things like, the, like I, what I was saying about these upper floor, like the water fountains, they're really cool. And obviously we, we don't even try to drink out of them. We know better and there's not really water. You can like, you can't get water out of them, but it's in a building that is, I think 16 stories must include the double basements, but 14 stories tall and has over a thousand rooms in it to be able to go through and update all of like the miles and miles of pipe that there must be is, is an insurmountable task. Yeah. And that artwork has been so ma maintained. 
and that it's been kept so clean. Like there's a lot of really cool, like the wood carving pieces and the ceiling artwork. And some places you might find some chipping paint, but they, they try to keep the building looking as close to sort of how it was intended to. So in some places you might find chipping paint, but they're not going to take it and like pull down all the walls. They're just yeah. going to try to fix what's there right? instead right. of trying to make it into something that it's not going to be. Yeah. And it's cool because it also has all of the, I mean, having these weddings and things there is incredible as well, because these rooms, are, the ballrooms are huge. I mean, I think when we were talking to one of these docents, he said it can fit like 400 people in one of them. I mean, they're yeah. enormous and they have so much, it's cool to have it in this space that's so historic. And in the area where the ballrooms are, like there's an area where there's like the seats to have like a shoe shine there. Like these yeah. like, big, like the big, like, like marble, like seats that are raised. Like they used to be like there when they were using these ballrooms. Wow. As a necessity anywhere right. really is having a shoe shine on, on that type of a scale. But clearly when this was built, like it was so important that they made it out of marble in this yeah. section. <laughs> There's a lot of marble in Detroit. We're we're realizing, like, um, yeah, we did an episode on Belle Isle, and and the right. fountain there is just all everything oh, yeah. there is marble, and it's like, where did all of this come from? <laughs> oh, totally, it's crazy. I mean, Belle Isle as a sidebar, you can cut this out or whatever. But the Belle Isle Casino building is so interesting, and you guys didn't really touch on that. But that building was built as so. Do you know what the Belle Isle Casino is? No, because they're, yeah, it's not open. So it didn't get a lot of information about it. So it was originally built as like a dance hall in like the, I know my grandma said she used to go there when she was younger. So she would take a trolley or roller skate from Hamtramck to <laughs> Belle Isle. And what? she would go there and they would have like dances and things. And I don't know why they call it a casino, but it was just sort of a big building where they would have like social events and they would also have different social events like on the beaches. But there used to be a trolley that ran direct from Hamtramck to Belle Isle. And there is actually now there, I forget what the building is. I want to say it's a UAW building. But if you look at the street name, that's actually Joe Campo. And that street runs through the middle of Hamtramck. So they would have been able to have like this direct shot to almost be right at the island. So that's where there were all of these cool social events back then. And that's another building that has, it, it's built in a really incredible way. And thankfully, since the, the state of Michigan has started dealing with some of the maintenance, it seems like a lot of those buildings are being given more attention than they were for a while. Um, I mean, there's still like the misfortune of the management of the Belle Isle Zoo, but there's more that feels like it's being sort of addressed there Yeah. in the same way that we have the Masonic Temple and the Masonic Temple thankfully never was really fully, as far as I know, fully cut off from the public because they've always had these theaters and people who want to entertain are always looking for venues for themselves. So it seems like it has made itself have a really good niche in between these other places that fell into disrepair in a greater way because they had very specific purposes and it was just a single purpose. Really, I, I wonder if these different uses have, have been what have kept it alive yeah. as opposed to these other parts of old Detroit that are so incredible, but have been either demolished or really fallen into states where 
or not in the way that people really should be seeing them. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, you think about like, um, you know, for example, like the Redford Theater, that yeah. could have very easily been completely gone um, because it was it cost way too much money to go in and try to refurbish the the organ. It was actually cheaper to to just take care of the whole building as opposed to and it's like that's why that building is still there. That's yeah. you know that's why we still have the Redford Theater after almost a hundred years. And it's like you think about how sad it would be to see something like that go. I mean it's it's history and and Detroit has so much of that everywhere it's like you know we got to do whatever we can to keep them keep these places open and keep them thriving however we do it yeah that's absolutely the important parts of of keeping a city and keeping people interested in this stuff I mean I know Detroit Roller Derby isn't the only thing that's bringing people in but I think that for a while it was a way that people were sort of a generation that maybe hadn't had as much experience with or knowledge of discovering it through Right. Coming to events there. And there are all these other, I mean, there's the cool spooky rumors like that George Mason guy haunting the building because he went bankrupt building it. But realistically, he went, he, he did go bankrupt building the building, but he died a little bit after. So it's not, it's not impossible, (laughs) I guess. But there are, I mean, there's spooky sounds everywhere. There's all kinds of weird, I mean, finding a locker full of obituaries wasn't great. Um, Not not super comforting to go down a hallway that's fully dark and then be like, that's the room where all the obituaries live. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but it is, it's a cool building and it's cool that there's so much of it that's open to the public and that's allowed to like have these conversations with people there and to be able to explore them and to be able to see all of this history in one place. Yeah. Because even, I mean, from what you can see, you can sort of imagine what you can't see. And it's cool to sort of think, wow, so I can see this much and knowing like there's a hotel in this building that none of us can even access because it's for Masons only. And that there are all of these extra like meeting rooms that are out of access to to plebes like us. So it's a really cool historic building and it's cool to think about it in the context of when it was built to now. Yeah. And it's like, if they were to restore all of the hotel rooms and stay there, like, so people could stay there, I absolutely would drop some fat cash on that. That would be so cool. Yeah. Like, regardless of whether or not it's haunted, (laughs) I would be in it to win it. I'd probably stay there because it was haunted. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, you're with me and they're like, oh, it's that loud girl. Don't go in that room. Like, it's... She never shuts up. We should not be here. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. I love it so much. Gosh, I've, yeah, I, I knew nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, Marty was excited that we were going to have this conversation. Um, Mike Bobbitt, he was really excited about it. And I was just like, I am going in completely blind. I'm not going to look up anything. And awesome. Yeah. So this was, this was really, really cool. I'm glad. Yeah, of course. I think, and I really think that you should go, I mean, they have, you can do tours or just even going to a concert there and being able to see what's, what's available to the public is incredible because even from the outside, you can see what a massive, 
massive building it is, but that, and now that that area is becoming more inhabited because the new little Caesars pizza dome is like down the street, it's, it's becoming more well-trafficked, which is really good for the Masonic temple. It's, it's not great for parking around there, but there's more and more things. It's like two blocks from um, where the um, Detroit shipping company is. I don't know if you guys have gone there, but it's, it's literally two blocks south of this Detroit shipping company. Like, and then founders brewery is like a block away from it or was a block away from it. And so there's all kinds of places that are coming that way now that there is more large scale event stuff going on there. So it's cool to see how it's really able to pull on that success and make people feel more comfortable in an area where they, I mean, even honestly, even 10 years ago when I started playing roller derby there, it was not as safe and well patrolled as it is now. There's more streetlights now. There's more places where you can park and feel comfortable with it. I mean, of course, there's always crazy stuff happening because it's Detroit. I mean, I remember one time I was walking up to my car after practice there and there was a guy dressed as a tiger on opening day who was really drunk and he had parked in a parking lot and he was like next to an open gate, but he was like, no, I got to get into my car. Then I like watched a guy dressed as a tiger from the fence and I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, this is the true sign. This is like Groundhog's Day for Detroit. It's like, oh, six more weeks of winter. There's a drunk guy dressed as a tiger falling (laughs) off a fence. It's fine. I love, so I love seeing, I, because I'm not from Detroit, I, but I, when I was younger, I hung out down here a lot. So, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was hanging out downtown Detroit and to see the changes from then until now, and to see the city come alive in different ways is really, really exciting. And then, you know, obviously anybody that knows the history of Detroit and the, you know, I guess downfall, um, and to see everything starting to be built back up again and people downtown and, and spending money and enjoying themselves is a really, really, really cool thing. So I'm excited that, you know, those things are happening now. I think we need it. So that's awesome. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much, Lauren. This has been awesome. I really, really appreciate you and all of your insider information. Of course. I love funny. Like whenever we have family from out of town and I'll like give them like a driving tour of the city, including like history of locations and things. So this is, this is my sweet spot is talking about weird Detroit history stuff. Well, good. I know who to call them when I need another. Uh... <laughs> oh, for <laughs> sure. Lesson. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and then I've you're... got another. I've got another really weird one that may or may not be... It's such a stupid thing, but I'm thinking about it because it was something that popped up on my Facebook since we've been here. So my dad's in this band called the Polish Muslims, and they've been together for 40 years. They are a polka rock parody band that has been around for 40 years. <laughs> and they play at all kinds of events around the city. And then there's like weird books about like cur- Michigan curiosities where they like interview them for it. And especially on Punchki Day in Hamtramck. So when we get closer to Punchki Day, that could be a really fun yes. episode because they play three shows in Hamtramck on Punchy Day and they have like people who like follow them to three shows in a row and like my dad 66 and like he's been doing this for 40 years and like I, I'm gonna send you because they have their annual like their anniversary show is on the 23rd and so they do this they have this ridiculous Christmas music video that they did at some point in the 80s 
<laughs> and it's so funny, but it's also just like absolute nuts nonsense. I love my dad, but they're also like just him and his friends are all crazy, but it's just <laughs> like having this big, weird, extended family, like tribe thing. So I'm going to send you this video too, because it's important to your cultural education of the city of Detroit. I'm here for it. Because it's also funny because when I first met Mike Bobbitt, he, we were, I used to run this open mic at um, Painted Lady in Hamtramck, which used to be known as Lily's. And it was this punk bar. And before this band, my dad was in this other band called the mutants and this other band called the reruns and there was an old handbill of the mutants on the wall of the bathroom at lily's or painted lady because when it was lily's my dad's friends owned it and i used to go to this bar all the time as a kid because my parents raised me like really classy hamtramck people i'm like (laughs) came out of the bathroom and was like wait your dad was in the mutants and i was like yeah and he was like oh my god like mike used to listen to my dad's band's music when he was a teenager (laughs) i was like that's pretty weird I don't really know what to do with that information. <laughs> this feels weird and uncomfortable. And then like, and and I I knew my dad was in bands. I didn't have really a scope of like anything to compare what they were doing to. And then I went into UHF and Royal Oak and there's a poster from a time when the Misfits opened for my dad's band. Shut up. Yeah, it was really weird. They were in this band that were supposed to be like hot and the Misfits opened for them. <laughs> what? a ridiculous story (laughs) it's truly bizarre and I don't know how to really describe what what was going on there and it's just they're just it's so funny because there's on this the Polish Muslims band page because this is their 40th anniversary one uncle kept on posting I call them all my uncles but he was posting like pictures from the olden times including the insane misfits handbell and that's just one of those things where I'm like I can't really wrap my head around it yeah and then it's also funny because then and they have some friends that went on to somewhat bigger success. Like they're still friends with the guys from the Romantics who really, other than what I like about you, which is probably the most covered song of all time, they haven't really done that much, but now they're just like weird old Republicans. <laughs> like all of them are. Like I'm Facebook friends with some of them because my parents don't have Facebook. And like two of the guys that sing the song, what I like about you, they're like weird old Republicans who don't like masks or bats. <laughs> And I'm like, this is such a strange turn for what I thought you were going to be. <laughs> I had no way of expecting this. So crazy. It's really weird. It's really weird. Well, it's, yeah. when, it's, when it's time for, when it's Poonchki time, yeah, I want to, I want to sit down with your dad. Yeah, he yeah. would love it. He, <laughs> you need to watch this insane music video. My dad looks a lot like me and he's like wearing a white, like he's wearing like a white pajama outfit with an apron with a Christmas triani you can't miss him um but you have to watch this christmas because they do polka rock parodies so they do parodies of classic songs with a really fun polka rock twist so it'll be like instead of love potion number nine it's love polka number nine. Oh my god surfing usa it's bowling usa instead of funky cold medina it's funky cold tradina and my dad raps about duck blood soup and <laughs> like my whole life <laughs> is that this is incredible it is it's ridiculous (laughs) but it is it is the life that I've been dealt and here we are but I wholeheartedly recommend you watch the music video I just sent you in the chat of my dad's band's Christmas thing because I I I, it's it's an annual tradition right up there with watching the Wee's Playhouse Christmas special like I I, yes I will watch it and then yeah I will watch it and uh yeah report report back on that I I will I I absolutely will (laughs) 
So on that oh, note, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead. I have not eaten yet. I came home from babysitting and I got to get some, no, food, you're good. But, but thank you again. Right. You're welcome. I'll see you uh, hopefully soon. All right. Bye. We'll talk soon. Bye.